Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clue series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help visionary entrepreneurs to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. Want to find out the top seven secrets that super successful CEOs already know? Then reach out and we'll have a great conversation. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, how's your week going? Uh, it's going really well, Robin, and uh, we were just talking a little bit before we hopped on here. It's the end of the summer, and I'm looking out my back window at home, and leaves are already starting to change, which is a little bit disconcerting. It's hard to believe another summer's gone by, but as we're talking to our guests today, it sounds like winter's even closer where they are. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, Al, everybody knows you're into biking. You know, you did the ride for sick kids this summer. Do you get out in the fall on your on your bike? I do and I can. It's a little tougher because hockey season started. So uh, I'm playing uh, hockey in the winter and that takes up my Saturdays. But if it's a nice day on Sunday, I'll, I'll be out. Nice. Good for you. Got to enjoy it. Well, our guests today are Mike and Zach. They actually have last names, but we'll let them tell you that at the end of the show. So Mike and Zach from Effortless Admin. Gents, earlier there, two hours earlier in Edmonton, have you had your coffee yet? Working on it now. You're working on it now. I see I see a Tim Horton. So that's great. It's a sign of a, a great Canadian. Al will totally disagree with me there. Not a fan. Let's talk about Effortless Admin for a second, and then we'll jump into the podcast and the conversation. Effortless Admin is a team dedicated to digitizing employee benefits administration through their consolidated user experience front end as supported by their state-of-the-art data management and automated compliance backend infrastructure. Oh, I'm nerding out already. I can see Al's eyes starting to glaze over as we're going to talk about benefits administration. But the Effortless platform is designed to minister any plan for any size case with any insurance carrier or carrier mix. Oh, I love this. This gives the client a unified and consistent experience for their employee onboarding, eligibility management, premium billing, support service, and plan performance reporting across their entire business life cycle. Oh, I'm going to love this one. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Good to have you here. We've we've had a couple of great conversations offline and really getting to know you guys a lot better and, and really impressed with what you're doing. So why don't we start right at the beginning? The Effortless platform, it's been in development and in use since the early 2000s. So we're going back a few years now, but really only came out to market 2018. Maybe start with why the delay? And then talk about that experience and really bringing it to market. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for having us on. It's great to be here. I think maybe I'll, I'll start answering that question by backing up to sort of the early days of our development as a company. And I'll keep this as concise as I can, but I do like weeds. And so if you like nerding out, Robin, I'm happy to dive into the weeds on any of these things. I'm but, in. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Well, our development journey really started back in, in 1999, and that was back before technology would really allow us to engage our clients in 
the administration of their plan directly. And so our development journey started when we developed our first in-house CRM. And that was really something that we could control were our business activities, right? And so we wanted to bring efficiency there. This was back when administration was still completely paper-driven, right? It was mail, it was fax, it was telephones. There wasn't a lot of other ways to connect with clients. And so we worked on a system through a, a contract developer to, you know, let us bring some efficiency there. And when we realized there were big efficiencies to be gained going the custom software development route, we leaned into that in the early 2000s. And that's really when our development journey began as a company. It was the early 2000s. We hired our CTO, Dave, and one of his earliest projects was actually a renewal app. Again, we were looking at ways to gain efficiency as a business at the time to better serve our clients and to you know, just make those benefits activities that we were performing as efficient as possible. And so that first renewal app was really interesting. Early 2000s, it would take about an hour to run a renewal calculation. And so our controller at the time, who was responsible for that part of the business, he'd start that thing running, he'd go off for lunch, and he'd come back, fingers crossed, hoping that that thing had worked. And sometimes it felt like a coin toss. He'd come back and more often than not, there was an error message waiting for him and we'd have to do it all again. And back then we were dealing with a shadow of the data sets that we're dealing with today, right? We were just dealing with summary level demographic data and claims data, but it was still crunching a renewal on a block basis. If I jump ahead to today, we're on our fourth version of that particular product, the renewal product. And this fourth iteration, I mean, now the data sets we're dealing with are detailed plan design data, historic demographic data, transactional level claims data, and we're integrating other third-party data sets to help in these renewal calculations. And so there's been a big jump there. But anyway, I digress a little bit. It was 2005 where we, we really started to engage our clients in the software. And there was an opportunity now as things were slowly transitioning to the web to build the first version of an admin front end that would allow our clients to start managing their eligibility data online. And so we had simple wizards for enrollment, for updates, and there wasn't any contract compliance built into this at the time. You know, there was basic rules to make sure that the data we were soliciting was complete, but that's about as far as it went at the time. In behind the scenes, as a client would submit an enrollment or make a change, our admin team would receive an email with a PDF. They'd take that PDF and they would rekey that into a DOS-based admin system in the back end, right? That was high tech at that point in time. But it, it, it didn't take us long to realize that, wow, this is a great way to start engaging our clients and, and give them ownership over the management of their data, give them visibility into their employee population but that's not a scalable solution. And so really quickly, we looked at ways to further streamline that. And so we developed a system that we called our, our VCSR or our virtual customer service representative that took the place of our team and rekeying that information because I mean, rekeying the information or data accuracy issues, turnaround time issues, right? You know, it just wasn't a sustainable solution. So that VCSR would actually do the work of a human. It would interface with that DOS system that you can think of 
like an engine on blocks, as our, our founder would call it, which I think is an apt description. It performed volume and premium calculations and produced the billing. That's about it, right? And so it would actually do the data entry in the system. And, and I remember Zach and I were, were kind of, we were talking about this and I was thinking back to that time and me and, and our CTO and our founder and some of the other developers, we'd stand in our server room. There was a bank of monitors, you know, that were all blank. And we just stand there and wait, wait for a client to submit a change online, submit an enrollment, process a salary change. And all of a sudden, these monitors would light up, DOS prompts would flash up, and you just see the system flying through these screens. And it was, at the time, it was, it was so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really neat to watch. And that project, we actually got shred credits for because we developed some new technology to interface with that. So anyway... I'm a weeds guy, as you could tell, but I'm getting to the crux of it here. So that system in and of itself was still really just, you know, a basic eligibility management system. There's a lot more to admin, a lot of process management and and different functions that clients have to perform outside of just enrolling and just keeping data up to date, although that's important. And so we started to build systems around that. And when 2008 hit, we realized that we needed to consolidate everything. It was time for us to just go all in and rebuild the platform from the ground up, replace that old DOS system that was at the heart of everything with a true compliance engine, right? An admin system designed around contract compliance. And so all the way to that point during our journey, all of these tools and pieces of software that we were making were all designed and and put into place with real clients. We had a real client base that was using the software and it was growing through that. And so we were dealing with all sorts of interesting administration use cases. And so everything came to a head in 2008 and allowed us to really start from the ground up, lean into that. And that started us on a journey of starting from scratch and focusing on administration and how we can introduce real contract compliance. We wanted to make sure that all the pieces that we built on from there were supported well from that back end. So over the years, at that point, we we did all sorts of cool things, right? We built in our first digital onboarding in, in 2013. I mean, that's still a hot topic for clients is how do you optimize my benefits onboarding, right? Employee self-service onboarding is really popular now. And our, our first version of that, the software allowed us to come out with that in 2013. And it's gone through evolution since then, but we've been able to integrate various admin processes into the system, distribute workflows right to the plan member, should a client want and all sorts of things. So that 10-year development journey that led us to 2018 took us to a point where we had a product that was finally ready to launch more broadly to the market. And uh, that's when our founder approached Zach and invited him into the team because he had and has a skill set that we didn't have. We were dreamers, we were builders, and we had built this product, but we needed the direction for it. And I had no idea how big of a step that was going to be that we, we had just jumped into headlong. But just to go back and frame that for context, our founder had been a TPA and a broker since the mid 80s. And so in 2008, came to that head where they said, if we're going to do this, we're going to start all over. 
they had a decision and, and he's spoken to it a few times. His name's David Ross. He had a choice between, do we just go back to being a broker or a TPA and let this thing, because that DOS system that Mike had spoken to was discontinued and was no longer going to be supported. Or if we're going to pivot and actually do a ground up, then this thing has to be bigger than a brokerage. We're now a technology company. And he made that decision. He made that decision to go, okay, we're all in. We're all in on, let's solve all these problems we've learned about for the last 20 years. We know the data sets we're going to need. Let's go foundational from the ground up to be able to see everything coming and to be able to build an infrastructure that when something new comes up, we're not handcuffed because we didn't think about it ahead of time. So in 2018, the reason that he came to his corporate lawyer and friend and and colleague to come join was we had done some kind of basic intellectual property agreements with him as my client, but he said, this is about taking this technology to an industry and not saying, Hey, this is a tool for this, my founding brokerage saying, no, no, this is a tool for the country and for all of the stakeholders. And we need to find a way to partner at scale. We need to find creative ways to have a point of entry into the market. Now, to be clear at the time, I didn't have a huge baseline knowledge in benefits. I didn't have a huge baseline knowledge in, in those pieces, but what I understood was that our team and where our people are at, we were able to actually deliver on the product. So it came to, to Mike and I to find a point of entry into the market and it was a learning curve. But one of the benefits that we had was we had a culture from a dev team that had been working together for over 10 years at that point. Our core dev team has been together for a decade and a half. And they have a culture of having the freedom to fail and to iterate improvements over time. And so we took advantage of that culture. And Michael and I and and David Reed, our CTO, went out to market. And we knew what we had as far as a product, but we had to learn how to communicate it. And I think we took some bruises. We had some of those moments that you'd expect as far as quiet audiences, maybe meetings that ended a little early until ultimately, I think, It was the two of us that locked ourselves in a room for a week and said, okay, so let's go back to basics. Let's look at from our client's perspective, the prospect's perspective, from our advisor partner's perspective, from the carrier's perspective, like why do they care? Why do they care about each aspect of this? And that led to some major improvements in in understanding where we're at. But the biggest turnaround, I think, or breakthrough from our perspective was that we pivoted from doing PowerPoints to just doing it live. We pivoted to going into meetings, and it was risky at the time, with just a live demo platform environment up. And we would sit with the advisor and their client and say, let's go through some admin tasks. Let's go through what your what your month looks like. Let's go through. And they started telling us. They started saying, oh, things that we had taken for granted pre-2008, some of the billing functionalities and things that we lost sight of. We'd gone blind on some solutions that we'd offered they would point out to us. And I'd say in a lot of ways, our presentations are have been authored by those prospects by just sharing the platform and letting them tell us their use case. And that's something that we still do. I think we learn every day about each client is different. And when you have a platform as big as ours, your value prop won't always be the same. They're going to have their pain point. They're going to have their experience. They're going to have their kind of headaches mm-hmm. that a lot of the times they couldn't think could be solved. So they'll ask Mike, who gives most of the demos, yeah, but what about this? It'll be a long shot and we'll say, oh yeah, 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 here you go. This is how we're going to address. This is how we can help you. So it's been a journey. (laughs) And I think we're just at the beginning of it to tell you the truth. 
there is so much, and I know Al wants to get in a question because he wants to be involved in this conversation, but there's so much gold. I can't wait for this episode to come out, guys, because there's so much gold in that answer from both of you. You talked about the onboarding experience. In my opinion, in my entire career, that experience has never been more important, especially now with a hybrid workforce. We've been remote largely. And we just went through it ourselves, bringing someone on. And we talked about, you know, was it the best possible onboarding experience? And, and there certainly are areas of improvement. So I think that's fantastic that you're doing that. And, and I think people are going to be more and more interested in that conversation. As you know, our audience is successful entrepreneurs, people leaders, builders of culture. So I think everyone is going to be wanting to look at that. You talked about hiring or looking outside for a skill set that you didn't have. And Al and I can totally relate. There's three business partners. We have completely different skill sets and that's why it works. You know, there are things that not only would I not do well at all, but I wouldn't enjoy doing that Al is extremely good at and actually enjoys it. So I think finding the right people to have those skill sets and then taking yourself out of that equation and putting it to your highest and best use. And that's what we're trying to do as we build our company too. And then I think Zach was the one about, and I love that you said this, that there is freedom to fail built into that culture. And I don't know if you guys saw it. I did a post maybe two weeks ago on LinkedIn about, and it's what I truly believe, I am willing to take a risk. I am willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing to stand on that stage and start to sweat and have my face turn red. I'm willing to take that chance because I never want to be in the rocking chair saying, what if, right? So I love that your culture is, you know, they have that freedom to fail and say, that's okay. We made them say, let's learn, let's move on. So, and then the final one I, I talked about, and I'm beginning to learn this uh, <laughs> later in my career, unfortunately, but I'm, I'm beginning to learn this. It doesn't matter what your value prop is or what my value prop is. What matters is what's that pain point for the client. And that's what matters. You know, I can say, Aria Benefits does this, 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 and this. Unless I can address that pain point, doesn't matter. They don't care, right? So I love that. I think there's going to be so much in this episode because I know our audience really well and there's going to be something for everybody in that answer alone. So thanks for that. I'll jump in here and this great story and a great journey. You guys obviously have a lot of experience and you've put a lot of effort and work into getting to where you are. But now that you're out in the market, can you talk a little bit about what kind of feedback you're getting from the clients that you're dealing with, from prospects, the partners you're working with? What's been their feedback? What's been their reaction to what you've put together so far? I think that like the time for that question is actually really, really interesting because we're at a point right now or a turning point with some of our partners where they're starting to really get what we're trying to do. And once it clicks, we're starting to actually have more and more fun on the cases that we're, we're taking on. So from the advisor's perspective, once we have a partner that gets that, we're not here to control the offering. When we come in to serve your client, we're not the agent of record. We're not a TPA that's coming to be an additional intermediary in any way. But really what we are is kind of a playing field or a platform on which you can say to your carrier partners that you can actually go partner and say, hey, let's go do what's right for this client. And don't worry, it's going to work. We have this thing that they can sit on and we can build whatever we think will work for the client. So that's coming out more and more now from our perspective with some of our kind of main partners. And the carriers are figuring it out too. And that's been the most exciting part, honestly, is once carriers understand we're not a volume consolidator, we're not here to displace anyone. We're here to find a way for them to put the client first and to help them with that. We're finding, we've onboarded two cases in the last two months that the carriers were willing to underwrite, but couldn't admit. You know, they were like, we would love to do this for this group, but, but we can't actually 
support the the front end billing. So now we that partnership once they get it that we're here to serve the client with them and help them come together to put the client first. It's been getting pretty exciting. I think Mike has some some case studies that kind of make that a little more concrete, but yeah, I think that's our sentiment on the feedback. Yeah. And just to jump off of what Zach was saying there, one of those examples in particular where the carrier was willing to do something with the plan, but was unable to admit it. It was a, a real estate firm and they had a large population of employees who, who were contractors, right? And so by virtue of that, they didn't fall under the group plan. There was no way to kind of bring them under that. But there was a big interest in being part of the benefits program. And so the carrier was willing to extend that program to the contractors, but there was no way to admit it. These contractors, they'd have to pay for their billing separately. There was all sorts of different requirements that just couldn't be facilitated. And so we were introduced in because of that and able to, to kind of come alongside the parties there, come alongside the advisor and the carrier and facilitate the onboarding of this cohort of contractors. So they could go through again, back to that onboarding process, a self-service onboarding funnel that they could complete digitally, right? These are all people working from home. So there was no need to go through any sort of paper process there. They could basically self-admin themselves in a sense on a go forward basis. And then the system was able to automatically bill those contractors or those contractors support people's agents support people. So it was a really cool scenario. It was a neat opportunity to apply the technology in a sort of a non-standard way, but that kind of creates a model for other like organizations going forward. Mm-hmm. Robin, I'm betting that this is your world and that you can <laughs> have a little bit more input on what, <laughs> what they just said. Because I hear I hear what you're saying. It yeah, does sound good, yeah. but I'm yeah. willing to bet that Robin, you're going to be much more excited about that and understand that more than I could. It's funny when I'll bring Al into a meeting and of course, Al is extremely good at what he does. And it's a bit of a niche. I mean, he deals with business owners and, and what he does. Not a lot of people I meet out there in the industry can do or have the background to do. And it's funny, as much as I enjoy working with my business partners, out, both Al and Joe, they talk a language that I just don't speak. And, <laughs> and you, you will literally see my eyes and, and we'll joke around with, with our clients because we have such good relations with our clients. Like, yeah, Robin, you don't even need to be here for this. <laughs> and I think, I, I think that's how Al, Al's feeling now. No, I think, I think what you're doing is really cool because there are those situations where you're right. A carrier says, yeah, we'd love to do this case, especially if there's a volume there and it's a nice case from every perspective. But then if they can't figure out how to do everything you need to do to get that case and, and get it up on and running properly, you're kind of stuck. And to your point, because you guys keep saying it, you're here to serve. And that's the same for us. I mean, we want to serve our clients. We want to do a good job. We want to help people. I've told the story. Anyone who has seen our corporate video, I pay homage to my dad. My dad was in the business for 35 years. He passed away last year. And the commentary that came back from the industry was, your dad always made us feel a certain way. And that was because he always wanted to help. He wanted to do the right thing. Sometimes that meant not getting paid as, as much as he should have been uh, you know, necessarily. But if you do the right thing, it always comes back to you. So I love that you guys are just trying to help. And, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We, we want to help people. And it just, it's frustrating when you have a situation that you can't, you know, you sit there and you can't help them and you, and you really want to. So it's, it's great that you guys are providing those solutions. And if, if they don't exist, you're creating them. And just to go back to kind of our, our sales journey, like I think that was part of 
a learning curve for us as well. Like we knew that that was our objective, but communicating it, I think when we first started going out widely, people thought we were a product. They thought there's two carriers and there's going to have these certain offerings. And we kept going to them saying, no, we're not here to control. We're here because regardless of your client needs, we have something really special from their benefit management perspective. But it's tying the advisor in to say, no, this is about setting you free. This is about, you can now do what's best for the client without being like, oh, there's going to be pain because I've just told them to add in this new telemedicine or this other product now that everyone's locked down and they have mental health needs, but it's going to be an administration and billing nightmare. That whole idea of we're here to serve, not just with that admin platform for the client, but actually for the advisor so that you guys are cut free. Like that's why we're really excited about Aria as well. Like, I think there's quite a bit there. Can you guys talk a little bit about what you see on the horizon? What's next, what you're hopeful for and what's coming down the pipe for you guys? I think we're just at the beginning. I think it's been since 2018 of kind of proving out the client use cases, but really proving out the relationships, like proving out to all of our partners that we actually mean what we say. And so the trust that we've been trying to build and the good faith that we've been trying to build case by case by case has led us to a point where we're just really starting, I think, to build some of the partnerships that we want to do, some of the efficiencies that we want to offer the industry, clients, advisors, and carriers across the board, I think is becoming more and more feasible. So I think it's exciting. I think what we've seen is technology investment from the insurance carrier industry is some products are starting to roll out, but I think it's robust. And I think that's really beneficial. I think whether that's some more connectivity so that the client is better suited to be able to have API, like real-time eligibility connections. I think that's going to benefit everyone. Everybody's seen since COVID, the tech benefit landscape just proliferate, but I don't think that's going to stop. I think there's a lot of neat technologies that are going to be aimed in the HR space that are going to need to find a way to knit into to that HR kind of tech ecosystem. And so like we're seeing it, we're seeing it now where the expectation from smaller groups, not just the thousand plus, but, you know, even we've 60 life groups or, or smaller that have an expectation of having integrations, an expectation of these things should all fit together. I think that's going to start coming through and, and we're seeing it more and more. I think we've just done one that's end to end, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. End to end integration from not only the perspective of, of the plan member, in being able to enroll in a self-service fashion, but then access the benefits administration platform through their corporate single sign-on. So they have no credentials for the effortless admin platform. But then from there to be able to move seamlessly over to the carrier technology through single sign-on on that side to be able to you know, run through their great claims experience, right? And so through that whole process from the plan member's perspective, they didn't have to sign up for anything. They didn't have to create credentials for anything. Their company already has them taken care of there. We just need to tie into that and make sure we're tied in with our partners to allow the plan member to flow through. And then from an admin perspective too, that data connectivity exists there as well to facilitate that great onboarding experience without adding burdensome work to the plan administrator, right? So we're, we're connecting up with their HR system, being able to pull that data over into the effortless platform and then take advantage of the data integrations out the other side and then push, if there's an appetite for the client, push 
contribution premium data back to to their payroll system. So there there's you know opportunities to to get as deep into connectivity as as the client is is interested in going. Mm-hmm. So guys, if I'm and we are we're speaking to the audience right now, and as you know, the audience is successful entrepreneurs, it's culture builders, it's people leaders. Much to my chagrin, no, I'm just kidding. It's other brokers. No, I'm just kidding about that part. Who are the people that should be looking for something like Effortless and Min? That's a really good question. And I think it's both the advisor and it's employers, right? And for different reasons, right? Zach works with advisors on, on a regular basis. I work with employers on a regular basis, right? So we'd probably each be able to speak to those areas from kind of an employer perspective, the decision maker within an organization. A big part of it is making sure that their teams are set up to successfully manage whatever benefits program they put in place to serve their employees, right? They're going to be working with their advisor to make sure that the right program is there to suit the unique needs of their firm. But then the work of making sure that the day in and day out works well is left up to the plan administrator. And so there's kind of two halves of that, right? We want to make sure, and I think it's important for those organizations to be able to adopt a technology that doesn't require their staff have really deep domain expertise in the area of benefits, right? To allow them to administer, say, a complex plan, like a, a flex plan, if that's something that's right for that client, but without having to to be a benefits expert. So their existing administration, their existing HR team, payroll team can do that and do it well without overwhelming them, especially nowadays Mm -hmm. within organizations. Those teams, they wear a lot of hats. They perform a lot of different functions. So it's tough to have dedicated benefits expertise. So to allow them to be able to administer these plans well I think is really important from the employer side. I could talk about benefits all day and I'm sure we'll have future conversations where we will totally nerd out on this and we'll uh, we'll let Al off of the hook for that one. But I'm going to take a bit of a final question and outside of the benefits world, because I'm always interested and I know Al's always interested. What books are you guys reading right now or what podcasts are you listening? I mean, besides from the obvious, the top 20 of 2021, you know, the uh, starting with one podcast. I know with that goes without saying, but what else? What else out there? I would say that, and this is not strictly driven from a business case, Mike and I both read really broadly. So when we're comparing books, they're not often necessarily related to just benefits. Usually I'll sprinkle in one or two that's recommended from a mentor of mine or a podcast from a mentor of mine. I have one mentor in particular who sends me podcasts, business podcasts, like Invest Like the Best and some of the other ones about creators, how I built this was one I just recently was shared, which was from Dyson, the inventor of that vacuum. And it was sent to me on the basis of, look, there was a thousand iterations to get this right. This sounds like you guys, like (laughs) when it comes to sales. And I said, yes, yes, maybe not quite a thousand, but point taken that creating and be having that freedom to fail is actually quite important when you're actually having the humility to go out and try. And that's one of the best ways to go forward. As for books, I'll leave that to you, Mike, but we, Mike and I will both walk in with like a handful of books, or if you come over to our house, there'll be books all over and much to my wife's chagrin, but nothing that's too narrow. It can be anything from like an interesting book on neuroplasticity to a history book. I think you were going through. So 
Yeah. Sorry if that's not the uh, podcast worthy answer, but it's what we're seeing. Yeah. 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 Actually, I would second that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think like Zach, I just try and read as, as broadly as possible over a whole range of topics. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I'm into a, a thick seven volume history right now. And it's amazing what can be gleaned looking at what people went through in different circumstances, you know, at different times in, in history, you know, so it doesn't always have to be something on a, a specific topic, be it leadership or marketing or, you know, how to build think, a race car, how to build a race car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's so much that you can glean out of, out of just yeah reading broadly. Yeah. yeah and, I'm, and I'm very much the same way. And I think, you know, a lot of people that we speak with are the same way as well. It's a very common theme. And my only issue is I listen, I've got about four or five podcasts that I'm trying to listen to and all the time. So obviously there's not enough time in the day. So I've always got my earbuds in when I'm walking or I'm on the treadmill or on the bike, what have you. And I've usually got about three or four books going. So generally when I go to bed at night, there's 10 minutes of each book. And so it does take longer to, but I mean, that's just, again, I think there's inspiration, there's lessons, there's stories from every aspect of any kind of book for whether it's from business or history or fiction. So that's a very common theme. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. I was fascinated every step of the way. And I think there's so much gold in this episode. I can't wait for it to be released. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have any questions about what yourselves are doing or, or what you're doing at Effortless Admin? Probably the best way to contact us is uh, our details are up on our website, effortlessadmin.com. Our profiles are there. Yeah, and I would just set up a demo. We have an integrated demo calendar. And if you go to effortlessadmin.com forward slash demo, you can book direct in and we're happy to meet you. You'll likely meet us. And it'll be live. And it'll be live. There we go. Nice. The best way. All right. That does it for today's episode. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.